Hello and welcome to Rural Business Uncovered, brought to you by the CLA. We are pleased to bring you a selection of bonus episodes ahead of the launch of Season 3. In the run-up to Season 3, we'll continue to discuss key issues affecting the rural sector. DEFRA's fly-tipping statistics released on Wednesday 8th of December make for grim reading. A 16% increase across England with over 1.1 million incidents being recorded between April 2020 and March 2021. Where will it end? On today's podcast, we're joined by Alison Provis, the CLA's national lead for fly-tipping and regional surveyor in the East, to find out what members are seeing and to hear what the CLA are doing to tackle the issue. We're also joined by Duncan Jones, policy and advisory member of the National Association of Waste Disposal Officers and chair of Hertfordshire's Fly Tipping Group, who will tell us more about what industry-led action is being taken and what more needs to be done to stop incidents increasing further. Well, welcome, uh, Alison and Duncan. Great to have you both on the podcast. Alison, if I can come to you first, tell us a bit about your background and your role with the CLA. Hi, Alid. Yeah, thanks ever so much. So, I'm one of the CLA's uh, regional surveyors for the East. My role uh, is to help members with inquiries they have um, on a variety of things, sort of around planning and residential tenancies, access, a whole host of things, really. So for the CLA, I lead on um, our fly tipping activity um, and lobbying work. And with the DEFRA fly tipping stats that have come out um, on Wednesday, we thought it's a great chance to jump on the uh, podcast, have a chat with Duncan and see what we're doing about it. And Duncan, tell us a bit about your background. Uh, Good morning. Um, I have three main hats at the moment. Um, In addition to my Norder role, which you mentioned in the introduction, I'm also the Partnership Development Manager for the Hertfordshire Waste Partnership, which includes the 11 local authorities that make up the county of Hertfordshire. And I also chair the Hertfordshire Fly Tipping Group, um, which in addition to the local authorities in in the county, um, includes the Hertfordshire Constabulary, the Office of the Police and Crime Commissioner, Hearts Fire and Rescue, um, uh, the Environment Agency and the National Farmers Union. Brilliant. Well, thank you both for for sharing a bit about uh, your backgrounds and your work around this topic area. And it's very timely indeed that we're tackling this this subject, given the the latest statistics that have been released. And uh, the figures, Alison, suggest that fly tipping isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, sadly not. So the year on year uh, increase is 16% that we've seen across England. Last year, it was just under a million incidents. This year, it's now over 1.1 million. It's very disappointing that they have been increasing. Obviously, with COVID uh, and lockdown, we saw the household waste recycling centres shutting down and lots of people obviously being at home and doing various projects and things. So in terms of the figures, it's not surprising that they have increased, but it's something that we definitely don't want to keep seeing that trend continuing. And we are going to be doing a lot of work around that to make sure that that isn't the case. But yeah, there's no doubt that it's still, you know, a constant menace for the countryside and our members. And it happens just so frequently. You know, we we often see problems from members um, all the time. It, it, it's a regular problem that they um, complain to us about which is why it's great to work with people like Duncan and other sort of stakeholders in the industry around England to make sure that we're all kind of coming together collectively as a partnership to to try and get industry change, really. And I know Duncan's going to come on to some sort of work that's been happening um, around that later on that we can talk about. 
But um, yeah, definitely disappointed to see that they've been increasing uh, over the last year. And is it across the board, Alison? Are there particular areas within England and Wales where it struck worse than others? Or is it generally all across the country? Yeah, so there are sort of pockets. I mean, for Cambridgeshire, for example, uh, Peterborough was the hotspot with over uh, 9,000 incidents, which is to, to be expected. So there can be hotspots uh, in various authorities. But uh, yeah, fundamentally, a 16% increase across England. And you say that obviously this is something that you hear quite often from your members. Give us some examples of the type of flight of big incidents that you've heard of in the last few months and uh, over the past 12 months. Yeah, so we were out uh, on site this week with with one of our members, Tom Streeter, down on the uh, sort of Cambridgeshire, Essex, Hertfordshire border. And he's sort of, you know, urban fringe, and it's something he sees on a, on a weekly basis in terms of fly tipping. He has smaller lots about once a week, and then um, a sort of a tipper truck load once a month, probably. And what I found quite shocking with him is that he was pleased if he didn't have anything for six weeks or so, which I think, you know, it's just... For someone to be pleased that they haven't been fly tipped in six weeks is kind of really, I feel, highlights the problem that they see. And he's the sort of makeup of that holding makes it difficult to sort of increase security and things like that. So, you know, you, you can do so much, but, you know, you can't sort of cover everything all the time. So the sort of things that he's seeing, I think his worst fly tip was a load of uh, soiled nappies and food waste and just a grim dump like that, which which was which was pretty nasty. Construction waste, asbestos often often appears. Um, household waste, green waste. Uh, so the one that we were with on Tuesday, because he he was a victim uh, end of last week, it was green waste mixed in with um, a load of household waste, really. And he's now got to clean that up. It was dumped on his crop and he now has to clean that up, take it away back to the farm for it to be processed as waste through through his system, which costing him time, money. And, you know, because he sees it so regularly, it's just, you know, it's just so frustrating for him. And I think the fact that people think it's acceptable to be to be able to just do that and get away with it is is, you know, is 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 the problem, really. You know, people don't think that's unacceptable which is is part of the problem. So we need to make sure that, you know, we we make it unacceptable and make sure the punishments and the fines do match the crime of it and the perpetrators are caught and they're deterred from doing it again. And am I right in saying that it's the landowner that picks up the cost of cleaning up the the tip? Yeah, exactly. That's correct. So these um, statistics from DEFRA, whilst they sort of suggested a 16% um, increase across England, um, that's actually not the reality of it. It's much worse because it doesn't include um, incidents on private land, which, as you say, the landowner is responsible for um, clearing up. So that's why it's just such a menace for our members, because particularly if they are a victim of um, hazardous waste tip, then the cost of clearing up can, you know, run into the thousands. I think the, the, the average cost of a cleanup is around £1,000, something like that. And, you know, much higher than that if, if you're a victim of um, asbestos or construction waste or something like that. So it's pretty, pretty awful. And in one particularly awful discussion I've been having with a member in the last sort of 10 days or so, they've been very sadly, they've been a victim of a commercial waste fly tip and it's baled waste fundamentally. So it's it's been wrapped up in bales and dumped and they are facing a bill, it's just unbelievable, of over £100,000 to clean that up. And that that is their responsibility. We are we are helping them and they are in touch with the relevant authorities in the area. 
But fundamentally, they are the ones that have to stump up the cost for that. Um, and they also have to manage it because inevitably there's vermin, you know, running all over the place. And they now have to sheet it to make sure that when the bales split open, it doesn't, um, ex- you know, escape and fly everywhere. Facing a bill of £100,000 is just, you know, just it's just... Um, it just leaves you speechless, frankly. Yeah, it's, it's a staggering cost. Uh, and Duncan, these examples that Alison have shared, has shared with us all probably sounds very familiar to you. Unfortunately so, yes. Fly tipping uh, in 2020-21 in Hertfordshire probably exceeded the national increase, unfortunately. There were some local factors at play, but yes, we saw a, a massive increase, which is doubly disappointing given that in 2019-20, the previous financial year, we'd actually seen the second lowest annual total since 2012. And we've been able to implement a number of projects over the last two or three years, which were really bearing fruit. But unfortunately, uh, as in a lot of things, lockdown kind of challenged the status quo and reset of a lot of our, our understanding. If you think about it, overnight, we went from the society that we're used to to one that was basically living at home seven days a week, Uh, A lot of commercial waste arising, so think about the restaurant sector, for example, were transferred back into the domestic sector as everyone at home seven days a week. People were generating lots more waste. Like any good wastey, I have uh, and I run models that look at waste challenges year in, year out, and all those models became irrelevant almost overnight because of the pandemic. And and fly tipping um, in some parts of the country was no exception, and we saw big increases. However, conscious of some of the, the, the sensationalist stories at the time in some of the tabloid press, using um, the networks that we tap into in local government, we were able to determine that actually it was a bit of a bit of a patchwork. There were some areas where there were no increases and even reductions um, in fly tipping. But in, in places like Hertfordshire and other parts of the country, we did see substantial increases. From my point of view, key issues, I guess, would be bearing in mind that some of the players in this this sector are, you know, professional criminals who know they can make a lot of money out of waste. Um, it sounds a bit silly, I suppose, but 20 years ago, if we were professional criminals, our, our crime of choice would be drugs because the returns were massive. Well, these days, fly tippers, professional fly tippers, organised criminal gangs can make the same amount of money, but um, through fly tipping with custodial sentences if they get caught a fraction of what they would be for uh, drug offences to earn the same money. So I think one of the things that we have to realise that is that we have some very sophisticated players um, in this market now, if I can describe them like that. And, and Alison referenced the the, the the example she gave at the, the end there about the, the bailed waste. That's organised crime at the end of the day. I mean, I don't know the incident specifically, but I would, I would bet good money that was organised crime. If you take away the criminal element, the, the, the illegal element to it, these people are logistical experts. They can move a lot of waste very quickly and at, at a speed at which we can't respond to at the same time. And, and, I, and I, I describe it as the enforcement triangle. For the public sector to effectively respond to that type of fly tipping, you need both the local authorities, the police, and the environment agency to respond in a coordinated, very quick manner. It's almost like people have heard of the fire triangle, but this is what I call the enforcement triangle. If you take one of those agencies away, we start to severely compromise the speed and effectiveness of the public sector response. And the organized gangs know this, which is why they can shift a lot of waste in a very small amount of time. On the other side, we've got an issue with, I think we have an issue with the courts, um, in that court judgments are clearly not an effective deterrent. Um, you heard Alison mention a range of costs there that some of her members are being uh, subjected to. We know from the DEFRA statistics that came out earlier this week that the average fine um, in 2021 
was £335. And yet you've got a member there, as Alison just said, subject to a £100,000 um, cost now that they have to incur because of flattening on their land. So our argument, um, which has resulted in us undertaking some lobbying activity earlier this year, is that when we do land a successful prosecution, the fines that are typically handed down in no way, shape or form act as a deterrent to future fire tipping. And that's something we have to address nationally if we want to get in front of this problem. And that's why you've written a letter and you coordinated a letter to the Sentencing Council. Uh, tell us a bit more about how that came about and uh, what responses you've had so far. I took over responsibility for the Hertfordshire Fire Tipping Group in early 2016. And bearing in mind, I've never been an enforcement officer myself. My background is, 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 is large-scale waste management operations. Every time one of my enforcement colleagues as part of that group mentioned a deficiency um, uh, with the, the legal framework, if I can phrase it like that, I, I made a note of it. And then over time, we, we realised we had the makings of a, of a pretty good lobbying paper. And so with, with colleagues both in Hertfordshire and um, supported by colleagues across the country, actually, um, we put together a lobbying paper, which we initially um, sent to um, DEFRA. That resulted in a meeting last October. From that, we then had a meeting in, in December, again, with the Magistrates Association to raise our concerns. And ultimately, we were pointed in the direction of the Sentencing Council. Um, so conscious that these issues are generic, they're not specific to Hertfordshire, we spent a lot of time discussing with various uh, local government networks who would, would want to sign up to this effort. And in the end, we had 158 local authorities sign up, either directly as individual um, organisations or part of large waste partnerships. And within that 158, we have 15 of, of the UK's top waste partnerships that signed that. Uh, we had 10 professional organisations, including your own, the CLA, along with a number of others. Those also included all the key, love, uh, key, key local government uh, groups. Uh, and these are the groups that the, the government like to listen to when they talk about policy formation. So from our perspective, we had basically all the, the main serious players uh, in the sector that, that have a perspective on fly tipping, uh, signing up and supporting this. And thing to bear in mind, that letter represents the vast majority of the UK's enforcement capability. So the, so, so the signatories included people like frontline enforcement officers, uh, directors of environment, uh, in some cases council leaders. Um, these are uh, people with a vested interest in getting this problem sorted. Um, the letter went in in early um, August. Uh, within a couple of days, we had received uh, a holding letter. Um, and to be fair, the sentencing council we've always found to be to be very good when they respond to lobbying efforts. They're very they're very quick to respond and they stick to their timescales. Um, they indicated in that holding letter they would be meeting as they do quarterly next in September, which would, when they would review the contents of the letter. Uh, and then in mid-October, we got a response, um, which unfortunately um, indicated that we had been unsuccessful in persuading them to review the current guidelines um, around uh, environmental offences, which is the main guideline that magistrates refer to when they, when they look to render a judgment in a successful pro uh, prose prosecution for fly tipping. We've taken time to reflect on that response. Um, we've sent that response to the, the people that signed our, our letter um, in August. We're seeking comment and feedback from those stakeholders. The initial view um, is that we will be responding in due course. Having considered the Sentencing Council's comments, whilst they've answered our challenges, if you like, in a technical sense, we believe they've missed two key issues. One is the actual main theme of the letter, which is there is a lack of effective deterrent in court judgments, which we don't think they've actually addressed. 
Uh, and as I, as I possibly indicated just now, uh, we don't think they've taken on board the sheer weight of opinion from the people that are charged with delivering the enforcement activity. And it just seems strange to me in that if the majority of the country's enforcement capability is saying to you the system is not working, you know, again, as someone who's never been an enforcement officer, that says to me we should sit up and take notice. And therefore, we will be responding in due course to the letter. We will be asking the Sentencing Council to reconsider their position with a view to reviewing those guidelines to make the courts render judgments which do act as deterrents and subject to what they and how they respond to that effort will then determine how we go forward. And, and at the end of the day, if we can't persuade the council of the need to review, then we will have to go back to lobbying uh, local MPs, government ministers, government departments uh, to say, look, you know, we, we have brought these issues to your attention. This is now back firmly within your remit to address from a, a legislative perspective. Uh, Alison, what's your take on the response received from the Sentencing Council? So, uh, as Duncan said, the uh, CLA were one of the uh, 10 bodies that signed it along with the 158 local authorities. And I mean, needless to say, it was it was disappointing, to say the least, uh, as to the response that we got, because it was, uh, yeah, all of the points that were made, um, they 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 pushed back on fundamentally. So very disappointing that we weren't um, sort of successful in persuading them this time round. And the activity um, and further work that Duncan's just been chatting through there in terms of where we go next and what the industry does to um to 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 force change which is desperately needed evidently um is something which we definitely support um and will continue to work with um duncan and his team and um through defra with the national fly tipping prevention group to make sure that this problem is taken seriously i mean as duncan said earlier it, it is serious organized crime in many cases and at the moment, with the average fine being uh, court fine being, you know, three hundred thirty-five pounds, it's. I mean, it's you know, it's just ridiculous, frankly. So the 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 way it's treated isn't as it is sometimes organised crime. So that fundamentally has to change. And um, we have a so the CLA have a, a five-point action plan, and one of the um, points in that is to sort of make sure there are tougher punishments and that serious deterrents are implemented. For example, seizing vehicles, um, you know, there and then so that they, you know, their immediate access to this crime, you know, being being the vehicles which they use to carry the waste um, are are taken away. And, um, you know, so their immediate access to that is is stopped Um, at the moment that's just not happening. So that's definitely something that we would like to see. And um, yeah, working with Duncan and his group to um, continue our work uh, to lobby the Sentencing Council to um, change uh, the current guidelines. Uh, and then if not, going further with MPs, etc., and really driving for, for change in the industry. Whether you're a farmer, landowner or on a large estate, it pays to speak to a specialist insurance broker immersed in rural affairs. The CLA insurance team has been serving the rural community for over 19 years and can offer an insurance package tailored to the individual needs of members. For example, they will provide dedicated rural claims handlers to support members through their claims and can offer some of the widest cover in the marketplace at competitive rates. Whatever your rural, personal or commercial insurance requirements, search for CLA Insurance to find out more.
Duncan, picking up on an earlier point you made, these criminals are highly sophisticated. Have you seen instances where they're using technology to target certain areas? Are they using drones? We're hearing this examples such as this, particularly around farm crime, uh, targeting some farm holdings for, for thefts, for example. Are flytippers using similar techniques? In short, yes. Um, the, as, as you said in your question, these are highly sophisticated individuals. They're, they are, you know, I would frankly class a lot of them as logistical experts. You know, they, they are very well organized. They, they have um, good ways to communicate that are, are difficult to tap into. And they can fundamentally move a lot of waste very quickly across large distances. Uh, and they typically do so at a rate which is much faster than we can respond as, as a public sector. We get the occasional win, um, but on a national basis, we are losing. Uh, and we are partly losing because, um, I, I, again, going back to back, back to my main point is that they know if they get caught, you know, if they're operating for a 12-month period, they can make they can make millions and millions of pounds. If they get caught, they, they likely will get a custodial sentence of less than a year. Um, I guess for some professional criminals, they, they'll do the, the, the quick um, calculation. Actually, time in, a short time inside is worth the gain to be had. Um, now, that's a little unfair. There are some examples of where you know, there's been longer custodial sentences and good examples of where monies have been uh, confiscated under the Proceeds of Crime Act. But those are rarities, uh, and we need to make those the norm. Um, on, on the other side of things, um, we do have a job to do in local government with respect to trying to equalise upwards our how we respond, if I can put it that way. So not all enforcement capability is equal. It certainly isn't equal across Hertfordshire. There are some that are better at it than others. Now, that's not a criticism. That's simply an observation. And part of my job is to, is to determine what I need to do to empower my enforcement colleagues to be able to get better results. Now, it could be additional training. It could be um, lob- doing more lobbying on a local basis with, with, with um, court training officers to see and, and to make sure that they understand the impacts and the opportunity costs associated with fly tipping. Um, so we do have to up our, our game. Um, but at the end of the day, part of motivating local authorities to really put time, money and resource into this area is to understand that if they do so and they secure a prosecution, that the, that the, that the judgments that the, that the courts hand down will frankly be worth the effort. And Alison, from a landowner's perspective, what action could they take? You know, to, could they do anything to make their land less appealing to fly tippers? Uh, any, any sort of prohibitive measures that they can put in place? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think in a lot of respects, it's sort of um, it can be a postcode lottery. So, in, in, and by and by that, I mean inevitably our members on the urban fringe do see it a lot more so obviously that's not really something that you can that you can change but yeah I mean you know security measures ditching things like that basically anything uh, blocking up gateways to, to make sure that access can't be obtained that easily is is something that we would suggest to stop that uh, basically to make access a lot more difficult for them but a lot of it can depend on where you are and hot spots so I, I know members that if they're a victim of it they clean it up um, immediately because if they don't then and, and other people see it then they can um, take advantage of that and they obviously see it's a hot spot so they just go and you know within the next day go and dump another lot so it's something that our members jump on really quickly to make sure that they do mitigate um, the problem in in the area that they're seeing um, by clearing it up straight away and then yeah taking it back for processing elsewhere. And Duncan having seen these statistics does that help give your argument ever increasing weight when you're going back to the sentencing council or going back to 
to lobby politicians. This is going to help the next phase in this uh, debate and discussion. I believe so. Um, It's quite clear that, you know, the numbers are going the wrong way. It's quite clear that, you know, the average um, court fines are are less than a fixed penalty notice, um, which is another specific issue we've tried to address with the Sentencing Council. I think the results um, that have come out this week um, prove the points that we were trying to make earlier in the year. So this is all good um, data, if you like, for our, our response to the council to say, please, look, you know, think again. Um, the, the 2020 21 results prove the points that we were trying to make uh, and we we really need to t- take a fresh look at this and finally alison what's the cla going to be doing next to, to, to tackle this issue and how are you going to be keeping your members updated uh, with all the developments first step is to work with duncan on the sentencing council letter um, because that's a sort of immediate um, matter which needs uh, responding to but aside from that um we have our um, five-point action plan, which we are um, enforcing. So, for example, on that, um, one of the things which we're asking for is um, to develop new ways um, to support victims of it, because, um, as we said before, landowners are responsible for the cost of clearing up, and but they are the victim in 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 this crime, so they're the ones that has that have to pay for it. Um, and for example, we have seen initiatives being rolled out um, recently. For example. Um, the PCC for Hertfordshire and the PCC for Northamptonshire have set up funds which um, landowners can apply to um, to receive funding um, to cover the cost of clear up. So there's no um, outlay for the landowner, which is great. I mean, that's something that we would love to see rolled out um, beyond Hearts and Northamptonshire. Also up in um, Lincolnshire, Boston Borough Council at the moment, they're they doing a one month trial of free bulky waste collection to try and tackle um, that hotspot. So for the Lincolnshire statistics, uh, Boston was the uh, worst affected local authority in that uh, in that county. So we are seeing initiatives like this being introduced, which is something that we really welcome and definitely want to, you know, hold up as as best practice and examples and um we as a CLA sit on the DEFRA National Fly Tipping Group, which is made up of other bodies like ourselves and local authorities. So it's a really good forum for sharing uh, best practice and, and new ideas amongst the groups. That's something that we're really making sure that we flag and encourage others to do. So it'll be working around elements like that, um, but also, you know, going back to really nipping it in the bud in terms of prevention and making sure that Householders, for example, so so a lot of the problem is household waste that's being dumped, and um, the householder does have a duty of care to make sure that they're using a waste a licensed waste carrier to remove their waste. So it's really making sure getting that message out there um, and making sure that they know about that because you know if their rubbish does turn up somewhere and they are um, identifiable by it, then uh, they can be fined and enforced against. So you know it is a risk for the homeowner if they don't do their due diligence. So it's really making sure that we get that message out there and going back to the tougher punishments I mean as, as, as Duncan said with the average fine being £335 it's less than the maximum fixed penalty notice um, which can be applied so just it's just fundamentally um, tougher punishments absolutely. And that's come through loud and clear in this podcast that call for tougher penalties is front and centre of, of the other campaign going forward and Duncan have you got any final concluding remarks to add before we wrap it up? Uh, yes, I have. Um, one of the things we're looking to refresh in in, in the coming um, months is the national um, scrap fly tipping campaign. This is a campaign that started in Hertfordshire back in 2018 and has been supported by a range of stakeholders, including the CLA. 
Um, we now have 112 local authorities across the country using that campaign. Um, and any can campaign member can take that campaign to any other part of the country. So um, we're, we're here talking with the CLA today. So if your CLA um, officers across the country are in parts of the country where that campaign is not in use, um, feel free to, to recommend that to the local authorities in that area. It's supplied by us free of charge. The only cost to local authorities coming on board is to personalize some of the campaign material, and we can even help them with that. But we're keen to get that campaign out wider. Officershire will be joining us in March. That will take us up to about 120 local authorities, and our aim is to get to 200 within the next 12 to 18 months. So any help uh, colleagues from the CLA can do uh, to, to, to make that happen would be much appreciated. Thank you, Duncan. And Alison, I know you've got a request for members before we wrap it up. Yes, I do. So um, it really helps our work uh, and, and lobby activity if we have um, examples from members who have been affected. So um, for those listening, for those listening, um, if you have been affected by fly tipping, please do get in touch. Um, you can email uh, me at east at cla.org.uk. Um, drop me an email and um, yeah, any examples you have uh, would be very welcome. Thank you. Brilliant. Well, thank you to Alison and Duncan for joining this podcast. Uh, I think the theme has come through loud and clear that call for tougher penalties is something that's going to be front and centre of the campaign going forward. Plenty left to do, and I'm sure we'll be picking up this topic in a future podcast as uh, as progress hopefully is made over the next uh, few months. But for today, Duncan and Alison, thank you very much for your time on this podcast. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Alid. You've been listening to the Rural Business Uncovered podcast. You can find all our episodes wherever you get your podcasts or just search Rural Business Uncovered on your chosen podcast provider. Remember to hit subscribe or follow to make sure you don't miss an episode.